She's Rachel Casey. She's Maddie Weiner. And we're the smartest smartest people people in the room. We have a lot of opinions on film. And we just can't shut up about it. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) This is a podcast where we shoot the shit. Just like Emmanuel Lebesky shot the 2003 masterpiece, Cat in the Hat. This week we're discussing... It's the sight and sound. White noise. Nepo babies. So stay tuned. It's like almost no time has passed since we recorded the (sighs) previous episode. Somehow my thirst is not being quenched. I'm I'm gonna have to go get some water (laughs) here in a second. Um, but do you want to talk about Avatar? Sure. Or no, we said we were going to. Oh yeah. Okay, so so we have some some hot topics that may not be hot anymore, but that's okay. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, see you anyways. It's fine. (laughs) We we have strong opinions no matter how hot or cold the topic is. (laughs) Um, but this one is uh, we promised our our beloved fans that we would discuss this. Uh, and so we must the sight and sound poll of 2022. No, the sight and sound poll of the the decade of the decade, but of the it decade. was in 2022. Just to be clear, yeah, the sight and sound poll of 2022 was also released this week. Oh, that's true. So we are talking about the decade. Yes, yes, the the, the decennial poll, yes, if you would, the best films of all time yes. poll that they release every ten years. Um, and the scandal. That was Jeanne Dillemont. I'm going to say the whole thing. Please say the whole thing. Wait. Jeanne Dillemont. 23 Quai du Commerce, 1080 Bruxelles. That is the title of the film. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got him. Yeah. Yeah! I'm a true fan, okay, of Chantal. Jeanne Dillemont got to this top spot. She kicked out... Vertigo. Vertigo. Who of had, being the top spot. Of being the top spot. Vertigo had kicked out Citizen Kane, who had ha- held it for like 50 for, years, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Jean Dielman is now the best film of all time, according to the Sight and Sound poll. And people have lost their minds about it because they think it's just woke, wokeness gone awry. <laughs> wokeness yeah, gone Yeah, wokeness gone awry. And also like the idea that like, I think there's definitely that, that part of like wokeness gone awry, but then there's also like the like. I don't want to call it like recency bias. It's but like, of like yeah discovery bias. Discovery maybe. bias. Like everyone in the past yeah in the past ten years has been like, hey this Chantal Ackerman chick is pretty good, huh? Yeah. Watch John Dealman. And- More people have have watched mm-hmm. it, and so then therefore, and so people are like, well, it's not really. It's just that people have watched it, and like, but people have like, finally watched yeah, it. Yeah, they watched it, and then they decided it was the best film they've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> like so, I mean. You have to watch it to make that decision in the first place. Like I'm like, I promise you these people also watched Citizen Kane, which I I am by no means disparaging. It is a no. very, 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 very good movie. I don't know if I even necessarily agree. Well, here's the thing. You can't you can't actually say that any movie is the best movie no, of all time. No, no. It's of course not. That's why it, that's why it is task. literally an average. Yeah. This it, to, to to be upset that John Dealman is in the number one spot, to me is embarrassing because that means that either you really think that there can be a number one spot and we have to make sure that the deserving movie gets it, which is impossible, or you're just mad that a movie that you like didn't get the number one spot. Yeah. Which it's like, it's, I'm sure it's on there somewhere depending on what it is. I mean, I don't love Vertigo, but I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Listen, 
my... I don't think Vertigo's bad. Alfred Hitchcock knew what he was doing. But is is Vertigo my favorite movie? No. Of like, my favorite directors, one of them has a movie on the Sight and Sound list. And that's Jane Campion. Yep. Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't. Pedro Almodovar doesn't. Todd Haynes doesn't. I don't think Steven Spielberg even does. Really shocking. Shockingly, you know, leaving out Almodovar for sure. Like... Mm-hmm. There are lots more problems. Yeah, like <laughs> with the sight and sound pole than John Dealman being n- number one. <laughs> like I would be, I'm, I'm like really worried. We have that many Tarkovskys on there. And yeah, we have, really. Like, I'm like, come on. Yeah. Have I ever seen a Tarkovsky movie? No, I haven't. But I still, I get to, I'm entitled to my feelings. And so are you, so is everybody else. So is everybody else. But this is our podcast. I do agree with that. And I also haven't seen any Tarkovsky movies, and I will watch them. I will watch but... them too. God, you have to make time for it, though, don't you? You really do. <laughs> Although you have to make time for John Dealman, too, don't you? I don't know. There's so many people, like, so many, you know, kinds of directors that aren't on it. Like, yeah. Cecil B. DeMille. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cucor's not on there. Yeah, I mean. And he made, like, 60,000 movies. Um, but anyway, the thing about John Dealman, though, also, like, I think part of the reason, you know, people are like, oh, it's discovery bias or whatever. But the reason that it's or a reason that it's being so discovered these days is because it's so influential. Yeah. And people are, you know, so many movies and TV shows that come out now reference John Dealman directly or indirectly have homages to John Dealman are influenced by John Dealman. I mean, Todd Haynes is like one of my favorite directors. He's obsessed with Chantal Ackerman and John Dealman. Kelly Reichardt loves John Dealman. Um, Sophia Coppola loves John Dealman. Like so many people love Chantal Ackerman. And if you are a cinephile and you like want to know, like you, you watch, um, Marie Antoinette, and you want to, and you love Sofia Coppola, and you want to know more about her influences. Then you watch that, you know, yeah. like it's that's why people because it's so influential. That's why people are discovering it. It's not because some person, I don't know, it's because it's on some college course or something. Yeah, it's not because it's like, I feel like it's like the reason people are whining is because about that particular reason is because it's, it's like. It's like they're whining that it's like trendy. Yeah. And it's and like I, and they're like, eh, it's just trendy. But also I'm like here to tell you that the only reason for even doing a one hundred greatest films of all time poll every ten years is to literally write down trends. Literally. It's to it's what? to record trends for history. And to see how like, people's feelings change about things. It is literally to record trends for history. If we look back in fifty years, mm-hmm. God willing we're all here and still making movies, then we'll be like, yeah, you know, it does make sense that Jean Dielman was number one um, that decade because there was a, there were a lot of movies being made that had that influence on it. So yeah. it makes sense that that would be there. Right. Like, it is that is literally the purpose of the poll, is right. to record right. th- the moment in time and how people mm-hmm. are feeling in yes. that moment in time. Right. Like... And, you know, like... <laughs> I just remembered that... Um... So I've been with with Blanche, you know, I've been saying since the beginning that it was influenced by uh, Safe, right? Yeah. Which Safe is directly influenced by Jean Dielman. And exactly. I was like, yeah, actually Blanche is a lot like Jean Dielman because she's like in the kitchen. You yeah. Know, she's like she is. trying to hold it together. And then I was like, man, Chantal Ackerman's first short film that she ever made ends in a really similar way to Blanche and I like it's completely true. forgot about no, it's true. it and it really just went in my head and just burrowed in there yeah. and like and then it came out later it's so funny how that happens like Chantal Ackerman is 
an influence for me. And she's not even one of my favorites. I, I don't know. even like her that much. I mean, I do. I love her. But, like, her work is not, like, as important to me as other people's yeah. work. And yet, you know, she's so... She, her work is, is... It's influential. And also, I'm sorry. I'm just here to tell you that John Dealman just fucking slaps. It does also. slap. Everybody it's who so watches good. it... If, if people, it's so good. If you make the choice and you say, I'm going to watch John Dealman and I'm going to, like, not be on my phone... You get so much out of it. You like it's like people love it. I mean, the spoon. We all know about the spoon. <laughs> we're all obsessed with the spoon. These are Willison people. We're spoon. We're we're spoon folks over here. <laughs> and like, I'm gonna, you know, Jean Dielman had like woven mesh or woven net bags. So I got woven net bags for my groceries, just like her, because I love her. Because she's European. Because it's Delphine Sayrig, one of the most compelling actresses in France ever like you know John Dillman yeah so John Dillman is so 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 good yeah. if you I understand things aren't for everybody. how it could be difficult for some people yeah. and I That's get that a point but <laughs> but exactly exactly you have to be able to sit there and watch and if you do by the end you're like Mind's blown. Yeah, you're like, mother. It's like this is an incredible, Same. an incredible film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> like, yeah. So, but I, I have another one other question about the sight and sound poll that I'm intrigued by your opinion uh-huh. on. How do you feel about movies released within the decade being included, being able to be included? I think it's fine. I mean, from the very first Sight and Sound poll, Bicycle Thieves was up at the very top and it had only been out for like six years, I think. Yeah. So it's part of it. It's just part of it, you know? It's all, Sight and Sound's always been this way. It's definitely true. And I get that. I just, I don't know. It makes me... Here's the thing. I, I think it's just a part of the measuring trends thing. It is a part of the measuring trends thing, but it does make me question... Like, I don't know. I guess since it's the 100 best movies of all time, it makes me question if the number was smaller, would some of those movies make it on there? I look, I just look. I love Get Out. Oh, no. Is it uh, one of the 100 best no. movies of all time? It Honestly, is absolutely no. not. <laughs> no. But, like... It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Nope is better, in my opinion. But, like, you know, Parasite is better. Mm-hmm. And if it wants to be on there, it's fine. And it's... Parasite was certainly more influential. Yeah. Because of its, like, standing and its impact on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Its impact on the makeup of the Academy. Its impact on people, Americans, wanting to watch and experience art from Mm -hmm. other countries. Mm -hmm. I think it was influential in that way. Mm -hmm. I think the Get Out is... Yeah. A good thriller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, that's, mean, I mean, that's what it is. With, with recency bias, I do think is real with these movies. Like, I mean, even look. Like, I think Parasite will stand the test of time. Yes. As far as like being on the list in 10 years. Yeah. And I do not think that. Me neither. Get Out will. Um, but to, to, I just don't think that you can, that you can like make a rule about it or something because Moonlight, for example, I mean, when we saw Moonlight in theaters, we were like, this is, this is, this is history already. It's true. 
Like, this is already one of the Sometimes best. you know. Sometimes you really know. Um, and Moonlight was in the past decade. Yeah. So, and then, you know, with the Portrait of a Lady on Fire thing, I think it's just too high. But I don't... Oh, I it's don't certainly really, too high. I don't have a problem with it being on there, though, because I do feel like Portrait of a Lady on Fire is very unique and is doing something that, you know, to be so popular and to be so spare and elliptical is very interesting and like I think a lot of people responded to it and yeah. so I think that it will also probably be I, yeah it's, it's definitely too high on the list but it's certainly too high. I could see it being like a lower on the list movie like I don't really have the list in front of me maybe I should <laughs> Cer- certainly people are going to keep it I think it will also stay on the list if only because there's not that much LGBTQ cinema on the list. Yeah, there's not, is there? And people are always going to want to, not every person, but I would say that a lot of people are always going to want to have that one category mm-hmm. slot, like, checked on their list. I think it's kind of crazy that Beautrevai is so Beautrevai. high. I love Beautrevai. I love, yeah, same. It's number seven say. best movie of all time. It's really good. It is I really don't good. know. It's really good. I'm just, like, surprised that people... It's not... I don't think it's better than Mulholland Drive, though. I don't either. Um, Because I watched Mulholland Drive again pretty recently, and I was, like, w- just weeping. Just... <laughs> it's so beautiful. Okay. um, It really is, though. And sad. It's so tragic. Where is the list? Okay. Plus, you know. Um, go ahead. I could see, yeah, like, like, Portrait of a Lady on Fire being down there with, like, with, like, Yee Yee. Oh, you yeah. know, or, like, you know, it's a little bit more ni- niche, but, like, definitely. Yeah. You look at it, you go, yes, that's a great movie. Some, st- some other stuff that's on there. Uh, I'm... Tropical Malady being on there. I'm like, okay, Apichat Pong. I know. Okay, I'm like, get, your, get yours. Get it? <laughs> but what I'm like is... There's some movies on there that I think are some of the best movies I've ever seen. And granted, I cannot say much because I haven't seen 65% of yeah. that list. So, mm-hmm. like, I cannot tell you. But, like, Itumama Tambien not being on there... I'm like, okay. Well, we know how you feel about Itumama. I know, but I'm just saying, the reason I'm saying that is because, as others have pointed out, there is almost no Latin cinema. In fact, there yeah. is no Latin yeah. cinema. Yeah, that's so <laughs> at true. All. And I'm like, if you're going to pick one, and as yeah. we said, there's no Almodovar, and I'm like, some of Almodovar's movies, I'm like, that... All about my mother? I'm like, that is a fucking masterpiece. All about my mother? Hello? Like, um. Well, I'm looking at the sight and sound list and seeing i have seen 39 percent, so not very many um and some of these things you know are just yeah there are some of these things that i'm just never gonna watch i mean it's just how it is mm-hmm. i am happy to see uh the uh moves on there studio g movies on there too yeah very happy to see those be there but i'm like you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm probably not going to watch all those Tarkovsky movies. There's so many on so there. So many of them. Like, God. <laughs> um. <laughs> and I'm sorry, if you're not gay or a woman, I just can't feel the passion about you most of the time. I'm sorry. Unless it's in this movie, which is a good-ass fucking movie. I have not seen that. You should see it. Um, It's interesting... That movie, by the way, was Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny to me 
or not funny. I don't know. Right before the sight and sound poll came out, which I did not know was coming out. I forgot about it. I forgot that it existed. Um, I was thinking over Thanksgiving, I was like, is there like an objective list? Like, is there anyone who's tried to make a list that's as objective as possible, like an aggregate list? And there is. There is a person who... What do we, what do we mean by objective? I mean, this is the other well, argument, right? right? Yes. Like... The, he basically was like, I'm going to take every respectable list, thoughtful list that I can find and aggregate them. to. Oh, so it's like a meta-analysis. Yeah, a meta-analysis <laughs> of like the best 1,000 movies of all time. Wow. And it is really interesting. Um, let me see if I can find it here. He might have taken it down because of the new sight and sound to, like, update it, to, like, add more data. Um, a thousand movies is a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, I'm kind of a thousand and one. Um, I've probably only seen, like, total in my lifetime 700 movies, so. You've seen more than that, don't you think? I don't know. I mean, it's a lot when you think about it. Yeah, but I've seen more than that. I don't know if I have. I know how many movies I've seen because I have meticulously cataloged them all in Letterboxd. I have not. Um, I've seen 1,600 movies. Pretty good. Some of them are short films. But, um, and on this guy, so basically he, he used Bayesian averages and then calculations, which produces accurate results. And he has, you know, tried to be intentional about including, like, genre stuff that sometimes gets left out, even though people, like, really think that it's, like, Good, you know, so, and according to his list, it goes Godfather, Vertigo, Stalker, Persona. Yeah, okay. Which, yeah, Sunset Boulevard, Apocalypse Now, and then A Brighter Summer Day. Interesting. And then Godfather 2. And it's obviously a thousand movies. I'm not going to tell it all, but it's it, it's very interesting to see this, like, much more aggregate, you know, as close to objective as you can even possibly ever get but again you know it's also like as close to objective as you can ever possibly get when like half of what is probably aggregated there is still dominated by white men yep yep (laughs) and so that's why the godfather's number one not that i don't love the godfather but it's like you know the 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 entire point i'm trying to make and that we're we are are trying to make here is that Mm -hmm. it is an Mm ever-changing List because it is an ever-changing group of people. Mm-hmm. And informing also, lists and... when you're asked to contribute to this list, what do you put? Because, like, if it were me, I would I would really struggle to, to choose between, well, should I actually try to sit here and think of what are the best movies I've ever seen? Or should I pick what are the f- my favorite movies? Yeah, or... Because they're the best to me. You would do that. You would probably do the thing that I would do and that I think a lot of the directors did in the director's poll, which is like, let me, let me take some of what I think are the best movies that are doing different things mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, to, so then I would be like... You know, if I did, if I did The Godfather, then I'd be like, all right, well, that's it for that genre. Like, right. we got to move, you know, and then, yeah. I, and then I would go and I would try to pick, like, the best comedy. Mm-hmm. And I would go and I would try to pick the best action movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would, that's probably how I would approach but it. But then, if, if that is how you're approaching it, then you're no longer just picking the best movies ever. Right. And so, I don't know. I feel like that's a problem 
not a problem, but a, an interesting thing about it too is that maybe some people sat down and they were like, I'm going to put the 10 best movies that I can think of. Yeah. And some people maybe did something like you. Some people were just like, I'm going to pick my favorites. Some people were like, I just want to show off how smart and cool I am. You know, some people did that. Well, I mean, part of the people that are surveyed for this are academics. So. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, do you, do people try to pick stuff that they know other people will pick so that it gets on the list. Like, it's just, you know, yeah. it's so hard to know. Well, it's the same thing as, like... Any... <laughs> it's the same thing cool. as the you know Academy Awards, I was going to yeah. say, which is, like, when you're voting, you know, when you're Academy members and you're voting, especially when you're voting for Best Picture in a ranked list, you're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to put this one, you know, I really hated this one, so I'm going to put this all the way down here because, you know, I don't want other people, or you're like, well, I like this one and I kind of like, I'd be okay if it won, so I'm going to put it higher than I maybe would or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just very interesting. Which is why it's all to say that, like, we just continually try and try and try to quantify art Mm-hmm. Which cannot be done. Yeah. And we must understand that everything that we do, which, and by that I mean, like, awards, reviews, polls, criticism, all of it is simply to get people to experience the art mm-hmm. for themselves. And this is going to get more and to people... think about the art. Yeah. This but is going to get more not... people to watch John Dealman, and exactly. that's a win. You should have seen... It's going to get more people to watch a lot of movies. You, y'all should have should have been in the Chantal Ackerman Facebook group that I'm in. <laughs> with, with Chantal Ackerman's sister and all these French people. Oh, my God. It was like New Year's Eve. It was like Christmas. Everybody was like, Chantal! They were like, like finally! They were. They were, like, so excited. Like, everybody was sharing it. Everybody was like, c'est on... Like, <laughs> so excited. Like, it was so cute, you know, all the Chantal stands. Love it. Um, Sylviane Ackerman was like, yeah, she's, she's like, main, holding on to, holding down the legacy. Um, And it's so funny because, like, I don't know if you saw the Chantal Ackerman quote that was going around where Sight and Sound asked her to contribute to this documentary list many years ago. And she just wrote back, like, I want you to include as my contribution to the list, my statement that I think this is a stupid idea. And that's my vote. This is a stupid idea. That's all she's gave them. She's like, you can't, cause she was like, you can't rank art. Yeah. And that's Chantal's perspective. So there you go. We can, you know, I certainly agree mm-hmm. for a lot of, in a lot of points, but I don't think, I do think that you cannot rank art, but I also am not the kind of person who is, dismissive of this kind of exercise because of that and also you know what you can't rank art but you know what it's fun to make little lists it is fun to make little i love my little you know what humans love to do they love to make little lists little lists are so human and that is beautiful since the beginning of time we've been making little lists what do we have to go out (laughs) what do we what do i have to go out and forage today yeah i have a little list yes I mean, even what is a calendar, but a little list of days that are coming up. What am I going to draw in my cave today? I have a little list Mm -hmm. of what I'm going to draw in my cave today. In fact, I might write the little list on the cave. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So um, what would be on your little list, Rachel? Do you have any? What do you you think what you'd put on your sight and sound? Sight and sound. You don't have to do 10, but just like, can you think of anything? Yeah, I can think of some. Um, Barry Lyndon. Okay. Uh, Mad Max Jury Road. 
Barry Lyndon, I, I would like to watch again when I am not uh, glued to my phone wondering if the world is ending because that was the day true. of the NBA game that got canceled because of COVID or whatever. Very true. Uh, yeah. Barry Lyndon, Mad Max Fury Road, Sean Dealman. I don't know. It's like I could go on and on. I don't know that they're in any order. Um, wow. Best movies of all time. Mulholland Drive. Yes. I'd put Mulholland Drive on there. I'd put Mulholland Drive all about my mother. The apartment. The apartment's a great one. That would be my that would be my comedy slot, probably. Um if I were doing my mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> Sunset Boulevard. I might honestly put Before Sunrise on there. I might put Before Sunset Before Sunset. On there. I think Sunset's better. I think Sunset is better, but I think I'd put Sunrise as like a Mm-hmm. An homage to mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. To the, the whole thing. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing. Um, I would put The Master on there. Mm-hmm. You would. And and that's, you know, one of my favorite movies. Like, that's definitely one where yeah. I'm saying, like, this is one of my favorites. But I every time I watch that movie, I'm like, I would this put is... Brokeback Mountain on there. So. Yeah. I mean, for me, and I I said this on Letterboxd, but The Master, I genuinely think that the creative team who made The Master, all the actors, Paul, Thomas Anderson, everybody became some sort of divine channel of of i don't know what the master is to me perfect so (laughs) and it's underrated um i would probably put this is one that's like i would really have to argue for but i would probably put aaron brockovich out there but there's 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 a lot mm -hmm. of reasons and it's because i think it's extremely well written and extremely well acted and extremely well done in other ways like production design and costume design and it's like all around just an Mm -hmm. extremely well-made movie i would probably put safe on there because i'm like sitting here thinking like would i put safe on there and i'm like you you just love safe and i'm like well but safe's made very well (laughs) i'm like you just love aaron brockovich and i'm like but have you seen the costume design of that movie it's fucking good like have you watched safe maddie like it's scary (laughs) i'm like this is a good movie Mm -hmm. um yeah well let's take a break because i need to get some water Let's talk about... Wait, we talked about something non-movies. Let's talk about movies. Okay, you want to talk about Avatar or White Noise? Uh, let's talk about Avatar. Okay, you... Yeah, you you, you talk about it. I'll talk about Avatar. <laughs> I haven't seen I saw it Avatar today. Today! Today! Man, that James Cameron, he really... That boy loves water, don't he? He really knows what he's doing. Let me tell you, that water looks fucking good. It looks so good. <laughs> I was like, damn. That's some... God, mm-hmm. it's good. Mm-hmm. The CGI is so good. Yeah. It looks so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I like it better than the first one. Um, I would say the story or the plot is more simplistic than the original, but also more emotional mm. than the original. Mm-hmm. Because instead of being about, like, you know, the allegory of, like, save the planet (laughs) right and we were mean to the indigenous people Mm -hmm. it's more like and apparently in some interviews james cameron has said a reflection on 
it it is about family and like mm-hmm. familial ties and what family means to people and what it means to protect a family, what it means to love a family. And apparently, you know, a lot of this actually stemmed from James Cameron having a bad relationship with his children for a long time because mm-hmm. he was never home. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And so he would try to, like, discipline them and stuff when he was home, and they'd be like, who the fuck are you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think a lot of it comes from a more personal place for him, which makes mm. it, you know, it's still, this plot is still incredibly simple. Yeah. There's not much going on there, but, like, it's real good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks so good mm-hmm. that you're never bored. You're always like, ha, ah, I could live here forever. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't care if the plot is, you know, I disappoint my dad. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, and then it's mostly about, like, the kids, too. Um, which is actually nice. It's, like, a nice change of pace. I'm actually, like, thought it was more interesting to get to know um, the kids and have the kids have more, like, depth mm-hmm. than having uh, Jake Sully. Jake Sully. Jake Sully <laughs> and Natiri uh-huh. trying to like explore their characters more because I'm not sure there's that much more there to explore. Yeah. <laughs> and so just like passing it off to the kids made it. They're simple folks. They're simple folk. Jake is a soldier. Like, you know, yeah. like it's not, you know. Yeah. Now that his legs work, he doesn't have much going on. He loves his family. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to protect his family. He's a simple man. He's a father and fathers protect. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> this is what he says multiple times. But anyways, no, it just <laughs> looks so good. And my grandma loved it, which is all that matters. She came out. She was, she, she, she jumped out of her seat. She cried. She talked at the screen. It was great. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. She peed once. Me too. Nice. <laughs> I had to get up and go. Of course. Um, it's a long ass movie. Long ass movie. There's a lot of whale action. Mm-hmm. Lots of whales. The whales are super cool, though. I don't know. I just don't know what to say other than it just, like, looks so good. Yeah. And that, like, I think we're just really... It just always reminds me, I'm like, this is, like, what I want to go to the theater and see. It's a real go-to-the-theater movie. It is. And it's the same thing I already said this year about Top Gun, but it's true. It's like, this is why people want to go to the movies. Yeah. And we can have this... You know, same complaint of, like, I saw today, Avatar has 87.7% of the box office right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but that's not Avatar's fault. No. Like, in this instance, this is not this, you know, manufactured consent situation that we have going with Disney where, like, they're literally strong-arming other shit out of the box office. Yeah. This is a highly anticipated sequel. Yeah. It just is. And it's and it's and it's good. It's really good. Yeah. It's fun to watch. The water looks so good. It's fun to like see what's going on in the water world. The avatars are endearing mm-hmm. in a way that just seems unrealistic. Uh, I think they're called the Navi. Uh, they are called the Navi, but also some of them are avatars. I know. But also, they refer to them as avatars. Really? In the movie. Like, then it, like, when they pick them up, they're like, are these, they're like, they're like, I think these are avatars. Like, so, like. Oh, that's weird. But anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I thought the avatar thing was because they were, like, Because they were. But, like, 
weird clones or whatever the hell. It's kind of like that. It's been such a long time since I've seen the first it one. It is because they have the Avatar. The humans have the Navi avatars. Right. Um. But. Anyway. Anyways. Spuff. As. <sighs> hold on to the edge of your seats, people. As with everything, this movie is about <coughs> fathers and sons. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. But. It's not time to make a change. <laughs> Just relax. Take it easy. You're still young. Okay, I'm It's done. true. It's true. <laughs> but. We're gonna have to pay Cat Stevens. I thought it was great. And, um. I had a great time. I would see it in the theater again because it's just so fun. And I'm honestly not like going to have much interest in not seeing it in a theater. Um, so I'm glad I did. And I'm glad that those kind of movies exist because there's somewhere, somewhere, somewhere between people saying that John Thielman absolutely is the, the most, <laughs> the best movie of all time. And we're all just idiots. And people saying, Marvel movies are great and the critics don't give them enough. There's a middle ground there that we don't have anymore. And it's yeah. because movies like Avatar and Top Gun, that's like what gets people to the movies and gets them to say, God, I love movies. Like, this yes, is so fun. Is. I love being here. This is such a great experience. I want to try. I want to do more. I want to mm-hmm. do more. I want to see more movies. Yes. And so we need those kind of movies. Yes. And <clears throat> quite frankly, Disney and Marvel doesn't give us that anymore. As we can see nope. by the declining box office numbers for Marvel movies mm-hmm. and superhero movies, especially. I mean, Marvel's still going pretty strong, but, like, some of the DC stuff not succeeding. <sighs> yeah. It's just, like, it's not giving people any interest in exploring movies further. Mm-hmm. If I saw Avatar 2 in a theater today and I was 12 years old, I would be like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, I think that there is value in the spectacular, in something that is, the point of it is, you go and you watch it and it blows your mind and, you know, it's different from these, like, intellectual things or, like, art house things. The spectacle is valuable in its own inherent, it has an inherent value. But, yeah, Marvel and Disney don't. They don't, give, they don't give you they spectacle. They used to. They used to. They don't give you spectacle. I fucking saw the Ant-Man trailer again, and this time I saw it in 3D, mm-hmm. and it looked even worse. <laughs> like, I feel like Iron Man was a spectacle when we when it first came out, and we were all like, oh my god, Tony Stark is so cool, and he built the robot, and he had the thing. Like, you know, and maybe that's because I wasn't, you know, a kid when it came out. But, but like, also... It was scrappier then, you know? It was scrappier then. It was more realistic. It was less CGI. It was less quantum I know. I think a big part of it is that these blockbusters and these, like, you know, heavily, like, CGI or whatever, like, movies, um, there's gotta be, like, a passion and heart on the part of the people making it. Yeah. To where they're like, this specific story, I have to tell it. And that's what Martin Scorsese always says in his masterclass. He's like, if this, if you are in at the beginning of his masterclass, he's like, if, if you're watching this masterclass because you want to get into the movie business, this is not the masterclass for you. But if you have a story that you have to tell and you don't know how to do it, this is the masterclass for you. 
James Cameron wants to tell this story. James Cameron is about a storyteller. He and made you, it up. He wants to tell it. You can say whatever you want about the stories that people like James Cameron or Steven Spielberg or these like mainstream guys. You can say whatever you want about the, the story. You know, how you feel about the stories, whether you think they're trite or cliche or whatever. But they wanted to tell it. Yeah. They wanted to tell it and they, and they made it up. That's why people love Tom Cruise. Yes. And that's why Tom Cruise's movies are good for the most part. The man cares. The most recent one is because he cares. And then you have people like James Gunn taking over DC. I know he's not Marvel, but like, and he's just, you know, firing people left and right because, you know, he wants to have his little power trip and like the Marvel people are just like, we have to create our phases. Like it's a freaking... I don't even know what. It's a business. It is a business and it's not, yeah, it's not. That's why the Mandalorian, that's why the Mandalorian is so good. That's why, that's why Andor was so good. It's because the Mandalorian was made by Dave Filoni who loves Star Wars, whose hero was George Lucas and then whose teacher was George Lucas. And And he was like, this, I I love this. I I want to do this. I want to be a part of it. That's Mm -hmm. why it's so good. And the little baby puppet. But, (laughs) and Tony Gilroy is like, I want to tell a story about revolutionaries. And he's like, I told the first story and I want to, I want to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. And like, I mean, Andor made me cry. But when you just hire someone because you need to direct a Boba Fett show so that you can have IP, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you can continue some IP and sell figurines. That's a different story. Right. Like, and I also think that Ryan Johnson with The Last Jedi, and that's why I pref- I think The Last Jedi is the best of the new movies. Oh, it absolutely is. Is because Ryan Johnson was like, he, he was trying something and he really cared about how it turned out. And he was like, I, he, he was saying, I want to strip away all of the, um, surface level trappings of what makes a Star Wars movie and show you what really makes a Star Wars movie. Another yeah. person who really loves Star Wars and cares and people just are stupid and didn't respond to it because they're stupid and I hate them. <laughs> I don't hate you if you don't like The Last Jedi, but I don't understand you. I don't hate you and I'm not calling out anybody specific at all. I truly am not. That's not being facetious. But I Sorry. I am, but he's never going to listen to this. <laughs> I do have to wonder if part of the reason that you don't like The Last Jedi is because some of the main storylines are a black man and an Asian woman. So, I don't know. Your little buddy, Oscar Isaac, white guys, he ain't white either. He slipped in under he the slipped radar. In. He slipped in. <laughs> he fooled you. He fooled you. Oscar. And because they don't like... Star Wars people love. They just want lightsabers and mm-hmm. lore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lightsabers and lore. Lightsabers and lore. The name of my nerdy Star Wars store. And podcast. And podcast. <laughs> We're changing the name of this podcast to lightsabers and lore. Lightsabers and lore. Um, I should submit that to Disney and be like, hey, I've got a, I've got a new name yeah. for one of your uh, Disney World uh, merchandise stores. Yeah. <laughs> We are so off topic. We were talking about Avatar. Anyways, Avatar's <laughs> good. It's a big spectacle. I really appreciate it because we should have movies like this that are big spectacles that make a shit ton of money that are also good and well made. And that CGI is going to fucking hold up. I have no doubt about it whatsoever. So. Yes. The first one, though, the CGI has not entirely held up. No, I mean, no. C- Only because it's like 
was so long ago. No CGI is gonna hold up forever. I don't. I don't mean. Yeah. I don't. I, you know, I'm obviously exaggerating, being yeah. silly when I say that. But ha- never fear, because I am sure that once James Cameron is done making new avatars, he will go back and he will remaster the right, true, <laughs> the old ones, true. <laughs> um. Okay, with our time left, speaking of CGI, I saw the FX workers are getting closer to unionizing. Oh, good. They need... They need They it. deserve it. Oh, my God. the Those conditions are insane. Um, it's weird. Why is there a helicopter outside my house? I don't know. It's either a news helicopter or an emergency helicopter. Like a trauma helicopter. But I think it was news because it has spotlight on. Oh. Spotlight on. That's weird. Well, um... It's gone. Do we want to talk about white noise or nepo babies? Let's talk about uh, white noise. It has some nepo babies yeah, in it. Because I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rachel and I saw white noise at the speed. We did. Which the speed is the best. It's perfect. No notes. No notes. Uh, gorgeous sound. Yeah. For a movie with very important sound design. It's called white noise. It's literally called white noise. Uh, <laughs> um, and we had a lot of fun. We did. It was a very fun movie. It's fun. It's funny. Yes, it was quite funny. Um, I love postmodern stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Shocker. Maddie likes postmodern stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I do. I like Inherent Vice. I like Thomas Pynchon. Um, things like that, you know. The more I think about it, the more my only, my, like, main critique of it would be that, like, it's actually hard. It's almost it's almost difficult at times to like pinpoint the satire <laughs> in it. Yes. Um not that not that that's a bad thing, but it's it's I I suppose it's just that when it's presented to you as a satire that you're it makes you sorry, it makes me more likely to be looking for that. Yeah. And so then when it's like harder to find, I so I like walked out being a little bit like confused, I guess. Well, I it think, took me a minute because yeah. I just like I felt like I felt like I wasn't given exactly what I was told I was gonna get. Yeah, I think a part of it too is that it is. I mean, the book was so specifically satirized in the eighties, and exactly. And so yeah. we're not as in that. I was, and then after I started thinking about it more, I yeah. thought the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like well, it's it is like inherent vice, inherent vice satirizing the seventies, right? Um, the early seventies and like, yeah. And, 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 and that's more obvious than, than white noise for sure. But you know, it is, it is very like of its time. Um, but I thought it was funny and I thought like the main characters were funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig were mm-hmm. very good. I and thought. Don Cheadle. And Don Cheadle. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, what's your face? Uh, was great. Jody uh, Turner Smith. Yeah. Jody Turner Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really good. All of the people in the college were so funny. <laughs> Those were the strongest, I think the strongest points of satire for me that like hit the, hit the most were, um, the moments in the grocery store and like consumerism and like yeah. how, you know, Don Cheadle's like, whenever I'm having a bad time, I just go to the grocery store. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's Which... like, I love to see all these colors and all these products. <laughs> like... I heard like, or seen not long before watching that, somebody talking about 
on Twitter or something, their professor who always says that like, if we didn't know anything, like if, if you like lifted us from like medieval times and put us in a grocery store, we would be like, what? Yeah. Like just like lose our minds and have like so much fun and just love it and be like overwhelmed by everything that's there. And we're just like so normal to us because yeah. we're just so used to it. And because like advertising became such uh, a much more important thing mm-hmm. in the late seventies and into the eighties and, and, and on since yeah. we're here. Yeah. But then it was like, it was, you know, it used to just be, um, well, there used to just be fewer channels for advertisement mm-hmm. in the years before that. And then it really started being more about like color and like, what can I like, what can attract your eye the fastest? And yeah. like, what, what, like what commercial is the craziest and right. like, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that rather than like old advertise, like, um, you know, Don Draper <laughs> advertising, right. which used to very specifically be like, what kind of emotions can we draw on? Right. What kind of what kind of audiences can we target? Yeah. It went from, you know, the Kodiak. What was it? The Kodak. Kodak carousel. carousel. Yeah. It went from that to head on apply directly to the forehead. Exactly. Head on apply directly <laughs> to the forehead. Like, no, it's just like instead of instead of subtly trying to like appeal to your subconscious, it was like it was like hello, buy me. Like <laughs> yeah. Like. Who's going to yell and scream at you as for, you know, as loud as it could mm-hmm. for as long as While it you're could. getting gas. And then, boom, be gone. Yeah. Like. God, I hate being advertised to when I'm getting gas. It makes me want to kill myself. I hate those anyway. old TVs. I the hate those station. old TVs. Every time, every time I go to get gas and then I'm like putting it in and then a little TV activates, I go, I think, I say, I did not consent to be advertised to. I do. <laughs> I don't consent. No, I'm just like, I look at it and I literally go, shut up. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> Why do they think those work? All they ever talk about is sports too. Yeah. I don't care about sports. Anyway. Um, but yes, that's how, that part. And then like the parts about academia, really. I was, I was more interested in those aspects of it than I was like the sort of main question of like fearing death, fearing and, death stuff. and like how... Americans fear death and mm-hmm. especially postmodern Americans feel yeah. fear death because yeah. we're so far removed from it and we're mm-hmm. so protected from it mm-hmm. um, compared to so many other generations before them mm-hmm. who and so many other places in the world still. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, if you really think about it up until the early 70s, a sing- for you know, from like 19... 19- 38 until like 1972 a significant amount of americans had seen people die in front of them right and then it stopped <laughs> and yeah. then it stopped mm-hmm. yeah you know it used to death just used to be a much more we stopped we stopped witnessing death and started thinking about it more and then the more we thought about it, the less we wanted to witness it yeah and it's a cycle um, but that was like not as appealing to me for some mm-hmm. reason in the movie. I have a feeling that this movie will do a lot more for me on a rewatch. I kind of agree with that. Um, it kind of reminded me in that sense of I'm thinking of ending things. Mm. I, I ha- felt like Which they had I a hated. similar I know, but <laughs> I loved and I felt they had a similar sort of vibe going on. I can't really put my finger on it. Maybe it is the postmodern thing because I think that movie's pretty postmodern too and the I would agree with the that. weird quotes and things that happen and references um, yeah, but 
And they're both made by weirdo tours who are modern and current, contemporary. What did you think of, like, the, um, the, uh, airborne toxic event chapter? Um, I mean, I, it was very entertaining. I liked it. Um, I thought the, I really liked the, the car chase part, but in hindsight, it was a little stuck out a little bit. It's not really fitting. Again, I'm, when I watch it again, you'll have to see. Have to I see. agree. Um, but I really want to read the book now. I do too. Yeah. But yeah, I, that's the, the airborne toxic event chapter is the part that sticks out to me. The most is like, what did we get out of this? I don't mm-hmm. know, but it was funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is like a funny and entertaining part. It of was the funny movie. and entertaining. I think, you know, I think the lead up to them actually leaving was important because it was showing how like in denial. Yeah. Everybody, the, is, everybody yeah. is. And they were finally like, oh, we have to go now, yeah. which is so real. Like that's very, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then I, I, I think it, it definitely had a point. I just think I have to think about it more. Maybe. Yeah. Like that one was more of a broad, like looking at like how Americans, how we respond to crises like that and how we're just like, okay, well the government's got it under control or the police or whoever. And we'll just follow instructions and get in our car and, you know, drive down the highway and just yeah. go where they tell us to go. And they're like all sitting there parked. And like, then the people go, drive on the shoulder and they flip all that stuff so spoilies 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. but um but yeah um i think that there was and then that guy when he gives that speech the the one guy yeah um whose name i can't remember but he is a person who i have seen before and like yes. i guess um no, i hate him <laughs> <laughs> um what even was the speech about though now i'm having trouble remembering he was like he oh, was they like quarantined us. He was like, they're not telling us. Like it was a very, it was just like a, it was. I think it was representing just a very the like how there's always like some kind of conspiracy theorist outlier that mm-hmm. attempts some kind of uprising mm-hmm. in a crisis but never succeeds. Mm-hmm. Like it's it 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 creates a little fervor. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't actually uh, create action. Yeah. Um, no, I want to watch it again for sure. Irene wants to watch it when it hits Netflix, so. Um, we may be out of time, Rachel. Ah, not the Nepo babies. <laughs> the Nepo babies may be too topical anyway, frankly. True. People are talking about it so much that, like, by the time this comes out, they probably won't be talking about it at all anymore. It's true. But it was crazy reading that New York uh, Magazine article magazine and article. seeing that those two kids are both Nivolas. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> They're both Nivolas? I know. They're real siblings? But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I'm also, like, I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that someone wrote about it. Me too. Um, But at the same time, I'm kind of like... This ain't new. It's not new. And also, like, the whole, like, Nepo... Like, I don't know. It's, like, at the same time, I'm like... It doesn't matter, necessarily, that your parents were in the industry mm-hmm. or related to the industry because you don't, your parents don't have to like, it doesn't matter. The people who still succeed for the most part in the industry 
are because they're rich, not because they're yeah related to the industry. It just so happens that if you are related to the industry, you probably have money. Yeah. But lots of people true. like Lena Dunham are not Nepo babies, but they're, you know, her, her parents are rich mm-hmm. and culture like culturally yeah. important. They're just not filmmakers. Right. And they're not in Hollywood. Right. And, you know, it's the same thing for a lot of people. It's like, well, their parents have connections and they have money. They just and that's how a lot of people are in yeah, you Hollywood. Know, the, like the Nepo Babies article left out Nick Kroll. Yeah, like whose dad is like the CEO of like the biggest private security company in the United States or something. Yeah. Like it's it's not just about your parents somehow being related to the film industry. Mm-hmm. It's about your parents having money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Although the film industry is very much like who do you know? Oh, it absolutely I'm learning is. this. <laughs> and if you're related, you but know. But most industries are. I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I agree with you, but, you know, I think the film industry is the most. And, like, you know, okay, like, with you, it, it's, it's not just a question of having references. Like, let's say you were hiring somebody for the government and they, it, they have good references. But, like... Would you hire someone just because their mom was an urban planner? I mean, I wouldn't, but the mayor probably would if it was his friend. Sure, but, like, that's, like, I don't know. That's different, though, to me. I don't know, because I'm, like... It's a name recognition of... But if the people who are in power are exerting their influence... Mm Mm-hmm onto the decision making mm-hmm. which is true mm-hmm. in the film industry then i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm naive about how much other industries do that but i just till <laughs> lily rose uh dad although i disagree with her in jet like in, in her point which she's like you know people don't become doctors because their parents were doctors or, like, people who become doctors, people don't say to them, oh, you just became a doctor because your parents were a doctor. But they do say that to actors. I'm like... They do if their parents are doctors. Sometimes, <laughs> for sure. But also, you do have to go to medical school to be a doctor. You can't just be a doctor. No, you can just be an actress but or a like, model. You can also just be a hedge fund manager. But you're only going to be a hedge fund manager if you were in the same fraternity as the guy who runs it. Yeah, I think it just, I think what I'm saying is it just depends on, there most other fields have at least a minimum of knowledge that you need to have to work in that field. And I think even actors would agree that there are people working as actors who do not have the knowledge and experience that they maybe ought to. They just decide to do it. I think it's true to an extent. I just think that no matter what, if your parents are rich, you can do anything you want. That's true. I agree with you. That's there. all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Is yeah. that like it doesn't matter in the film industry if what what matters is not that your dad was a grip for twenty years. Yes, I agree with you there. What matters is that your dad was a producer and has a bunch of fucking money. Mm-hmm. Like But I think I think money and name recognition. Name recognition can 
can basically function as money sometimes too if it's high if it's if it's enough yeah but if your name is high enough you have enough money not necessarily not if you're like nobility okay well Well, i'm just saying you squandered all your money people do that look at nicholas cage having to take on all these shitty movies because he ran out of money but he's still nicholas cage that's true but he still has more money than you and i oh of course of course of course but still you know i'm just saying like money and or fame to an extent (laughs) what do you mean i just don't think that you can have it's I just rare. Don't think you it's can, extremely rare I just to don't have think fame without can, money, but people do. I just don't think that you can get by on name on name recognition alone unless you also have money behind it because money in our society is power. And sure. so names are not power. This is not this is this is not Westeros. Some names are power. <laughs> I'm saying it's rare. It's very rare for you to have fame and not money. But it does happen. I would like to see evidence. Nicholas Cage just said. He has money. Now. But for a while in the 2000s, he didn't have any money, I don't think. Yeah, but at one point he had money. Oh, sure. Yes. <laughs> um, I can't. I'd have to think about it. I don't know. And he comes from a famous family. So. That's what I'm saying. The name. The name of the family. He changed his name so as to not be associated with the family. Yeah, well, it didn't work, did it? <laughs> Same with, uh... And then, you know what? He had money, so... Yeah, that's true. His family has money, so no matter what he does, he's basically good. Exactly. <sighs> I guess you're right, Rachel. <laughs> money, it's money. That's true, though. People are really, like, you know... I mean, that's, you know, why so many of these Nepo babies end up being producers on the projects that they're on, yeah. too. So. Anyways, yeah, for Nepo babies, just generally, it's like, I honestly don't give a fuck. If you're a Nepo baby or not, um, as long as you're good at what you do. If you're bad at what you do and, if and you keep getting cast in things, correct. then I get this. Th- then it's a problem. Yeah. But if, like, you're good, fine. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you develop and maybe you start out not so great and then you, you, you know, you get better. I mean, I, you know, Dakota Johnson, Fifty Shades of Grey, she was fine in it. But I really think over the years she's really gotten the hang of it. And is a great actor now. Um you know she's fun she's she's great and with luca guadagnino they're a good team um but yeah 50 shades of gray yeah did she get that job because she's who she is probably absolutely yeah so and then you have your riley keos who are just brilliant geniuses and we love them we love and, them and we stand also my favorite mm-hmm. i love her so much okay we gotta go because rachel's gotta go to bed and so do i yeah <laughs> we've been recording for so long i'm gonna go eat some sweets first though you're in my sleep. Ta-ta for now. Go see the movies. Go. Go, go to the movies or watch a movie on Netflix. Next time we do a podcast, it might even, it might be the, after these ones, it might be February, but we will talk about our oh, movies it might, of the year. It might be the special money ball episode. Oh, it might be a special money ball episode, but next, next one we will talk about our favorite movies of 2022. How can you not be romantic about baseball? I've never seen that movie. Okay, bye! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at SmartestPPLPod, SmartestPeoplePod, and you can get in touch with us at SmartestPeoplePod at gmail.com. Please subscribe in whatever podcast app you like, and please tell a friend. Our theme music and interstitial music is by Scott Boyce, and he can be found on Instagram as at 
Skoogle, S-C-0-0-G-L-E. This is Maddie Weiner. This is Rachel Casey. Reminding you that we're the smartest people in the room. And go to the movies. Go to the theater. Go to the theater.